This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. The Man War Podcast is sponsored by HotMovies.com. Try out some ethical, paid-for porn for free with none of those hidden fees or secret subscriptions when you sign up at HotMovies.com and use the promo code MANHOR. Now let's get to the show. Welcome to the Manhor Podcast. Shout out to all you prep takers, booty shakers, and procrastinated masturbators. This is Billy Proceda, and you are listening to the Man Whore Podcast. Mix up the pronunciation a little bit, you know, got to keep you on your toes. What's up, everybody? Welcome back this week. Okay, um, no politics, I promise. No politic, no political rants this week. I could if I want to, but I'm not. I'm going to try to keep the intro as short as possible because we got a long one this week. I got on Hansi Stokes, formerly of the Woodhull Freedom Foundation. I'll explain the formerly part later. Uh, <laughs> can't wait to share it with y'all in a bit. But first, show get them hot. Get them dates. Show dates. Oakland, June 1st. We're doing Man Whore Podcast Family Night. Ooh. Yes. How can we make uh, the Man Whore Podcast mildly more uncomfortable Let's add a family member. Me and my baby sister Kelly are going to be on stage at the Octopus Literary Salon in Oakland, June 1st, 7.30 p.m. That's going to be a fun show. And then Chicago. Tour de Manhors coming through the Windy City on June 28th at 9 p.m. at North Bar. I'll tell you more about what that show is going to be in the coming weeks. But for now, at least save the date uh, or buy some tickets. Yes, Tickets are now on sale for the Chicago live show as well. You want to buy tickets for the uh, Oakland or Chicago live shows? Go to manorpod.com slash tour. And hey, Chicago, I'm going to give you $5 off just because I'm a nice guy. Really for no good reason. If you go to manorpod.com slash tour for the Chicago show, use promo code Billy. You get $5 off. Look at that. Okay. Look at that. But of course, the most important show dates of them all are August 2nd through August 4th, because, yeah, you you know what it is. Manhorcon number three, our third iteration of uh, of this awesome sex positive fan whore weekend in New York fucking city. Ah, Manhorcon. As soon as Manhorcon ends, I have a good cry. I take two days to be like, that was awesome. And then I'm just excited to do it all over again. Hanging out with you people is so much fucking fun. I, I have to say that. So, and I'm ready to announce another event on the itinerary for Manhorcon. Yeah, we're bringing it back. It's a fan favorite. We're doing the Fan Whore Bar Crawl. I'm going to take you on a little route of some of my preferred bars in New York City. And, uh, and that is going to be in addition to the Roast of Billy Brasita. 
the Man Whore Podcast live show, the exclusive after party, your swag bag, and so much more. So shout out again to MotorBunny.com for being the presenting sponsor of Man Whore Con. Of course, you can get $50 off when you use promo code STAYSLUTTY. Again, remember, it's a new promo code. Stay slutty, motorbunny.com. Manhorcon, you're going to want to come. You're going to make a whole bunch of new friends. You can come solo. You come with a bunch of buddies. Come with your partner or partners, whatever. It's a blast. Go to manhorpod.com slash weekend and get your weekend pass today. And both of those links for the, the, the Oakland and Chicago shows and Manorcon, it's all in the show notes, people. So don't stress out. You know what I am stressing out about is uh I'm back on Instagram. You know, people bug y'all a lot of you bugged me. You were like, Billy, you're gonna get Instagram? I miss your stories. You haven't come on over to follow me yet. So what are you waiting for? Go follow Billy is Presida. I'm back on there. I'm doing the posts, I'm doing the things. I got you, uh, I got the Instagram for you. Go give it a follow. Before we get to uh, this week's guest, Hansi Stokes, and, uh, and and get to a couple orders of business, you know, women can be creepy too. The things that have been, some of the things that have been said to me by women on the internet, if I were to say them, there'd be blog, there'd be posts, there'd be Huffington Post takedown pieces about me. I did someone's podcast, I'm not going to say what it was, and we talked about rimming in it, I guess, and so like her post about it was mentioning rim jobs. I made mention in my post about the podcast that I guess we talk about rim jobs. And then she's like, I'm a hundred gonna rim you. I'll chase you around the city till you can't run anymore. Then I'm gonna tongue it. Followed by a bunch of various crying, laughing emoji faces. And I look, I I'm not, I don't think I'm a very offensive comedian, but I've been told I'm a very offensive comedian by people on Twitter, but I've never like joked about going off to sexually assault someone. Even I don't do that. And if you're ever nervous, like, oh my God, is this going to be creepy? Because here's the thing. It's not creepy that she like was coming on to me. It's that she came on to me in the form of suggesting she's going to assault me. Right. That's the creepy part. And if you're not sure if like something you're going to send me or, or someone is, is creepy, just just all you have to do is think if a guy that I don't really know or I only met one time said this to me, would I think it's creepy? I'm pretty sure if a, if a dude she only met one time said that to her, she'd be creeped out. And that's really the that's the only barometer you need to go by for now. OK, so. Like, because uh, some sometimes people will slide in my DMs and say very nice things, and they'll, and they'll be like, "I hope I'm not overstepping boundaries." Look, compliments are fine. I'm fine with compliments. I'm fine with y- you f- strangers flirting with me in a respectful fashion. Just saying, "Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, bro, person who's never flirted with me, I'm gonna rim you. I'm gonna chase you till you're tired, and I'm gonna stick my tongue in your booty hole. I'm gonna ruin that that." That one thing you love so much, I'm going to ruin it. So fucking strange. Man, people on the internet are weird. Uh, myself included, if we're being fair and honest here. Okay. Now we're going to do a little uh, segment with my friend and fellow stand-up comedian, Juliana Maher. Uh, 
we record a bonus episode uh, for the Patreon people. Comes out tomorrow. Hey, hey. But right now she's going to help uh, talk to me a little bit about the porns. I'm here right now with a fellow stand-up comedian, Juliana Maher. Hello. That, that was mostly right. Ah! No, no, no. That's essentially right. That was essentially right. Well, uh, we just uh, recorded a really fun bonus episode for the Patreon people. And then I learned an interesting thing. You don't watch porn. I don't. I've never really watched porn. I mean, like, I have seen a little, again, like Andover Dorm, boarding school dorm. Um, did not appeal. But and, and, well, I thought that was a perfect person to do a porn ad read with. Hotmovies.com, everybody. We're doing doing a little. Uh, Going to show some appreciation for our longtime sponsor, Hotmovies.com, the pay per minute porn site that lets you uh, affordably and ethically hashtag pay for your porn. And I'm going to see if I can find some, so. Julia, you you told me off air that you do like reading on occasion some fan fiction. Yeah, some yeah. like literatica type. Do you- yeah, sort of. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, well, let's see, let's hear the. Ty- I want to learn the types of things you like to read that get you off, mm-hmm. and see if there's something I can find that might visually get you off. Okay. Um. So why don't you describe to me like one type of storyline scene element that you enjoy? Um. Like, I like when people think that their love is like, or not love, but like when they think that their crushes are unrequited and they're not. That's very cute. Oh, oh, like they get surprised. Like, it's like, yeah, oh, like they you... think that like they've been like, they think that somebody else doesn't like them, but they actually do. Well, definitely like a really common one for bi girls is when you think a girl is straight and then she's not. Straight girl crushes are a huge thing. Okay. So let's say girl crush, which is something we talked about in your bonus episode. Yeah. And let's see what we get for Girl Crush. You get Girls Hunting Girls 14, as well what? as gir- Girls Hunting Girls Wait. 9. There's actually qu- quite a oh, series. Oh, 14. I thought you said 14. Oh. And I was like, <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> There's Girl Crush volume. See, look, they're like holding each other tenderly. They're yeah. still wearing their jeans. That's how you know yeah. it's softcore, because they're like, we're going to make out and play with nipples. That doesn't but really the- appeal to me. No? No. Um, uh, well, ooh, this one's probably not girl crushed, not girl crushed, but cr- a crushed girl three. That's that's definitely what? not it. That's more BDSM. Well, um, I don't mind. I don't mind. That could that could be fine. Granny's little girl crush. How's is that what? a storyline? Okay, do not like it when they're old. <laughs> Sometimes men can be older. That can be attractive. And this is like very sexist and not cool. But I, not with women. I don't like older women. If you had to narrow down your like erotic story preferences down to like two or three words, what are those words? They can describe the aura or the scenes, but what what is a must for you? Mm, tension. Oh, oh wait, wait, hang on, there's something. Okay, uh, good because so far I just want to say when I type in only the word yeah, tension. Yeah, don't do that. It's gonna be all. It's gonna be all like. Yeah. I just want to let you know the first thing that pops up is Mike John's racial tension. Not the porn for me. <laughs> wow. No. That, that, okay, that is more surprising. <laughs> um, oh, wait. But what is the – there's a there's a fan fiction tag that's funny. That's uh, uh, enemies, enemies, enemies to friends to lovers. Okay, so enemies. Uh, I don't know what that would be. I think like video wouldn't – that wouldn't really translate. But uh, I tend to like that in, stuff. It's like where people hate lovers. each other and then like they end up liking each other. Oh, I think I found one just like it. Uh, Inglorious Bitches. Sure. Is there, is there is there Nazi stuff though? I got to – I don't know if they like 
I, I mean, I don't know how this ends, so I don't know if they like end up fucking Hitler. But or yeah, what. okay, that's like that's interesting. But this is an I do love *Inglorious Bastards*. Great movie. Great movie, Great and now movie. there's a porn parody about it. So there you go. I would so, actually probably watch that. Yeah, well, mostly you, just because I love *Inglorious Bastards*. I would probably watch that. How long is the movie? The movie is a an hour and thirty eight minutes. I didn't. Okay, so porn movies are like movie length if movies. You can get good movie length. We have a plot kind of movies. Yes, huh, um, but if you want to try and glorious bitches, you could get twenty free minutes for free. Nothing. It's a free trial uh, when you sign up at hotmovies.com and use promo code manhor. Uh, that 20- but then I might lose. Then I might lose my job because I'm like now I refocus on all the sex. Yeah, but you'll be focused like by <laughs> minute because you're buying the minutes. So you're right. like, yeah, that's true. Yeah, you're not going to aimlessly jerk actually, it for I get two it. hours. That's a good business model. I see what they're doing. That's smart. For sure, for sure. So uh, I I would recommend that you see what the tension and enemies lovers dynamic might be like in Inglorious Bitches from Mark Dorsell. <laughs> At hotmovies.com with promo code manhor, everybody. Because, um, like, hashtag pay for some of your porn. <laughs> uh, well, Juliana, you know, uh, if people want to hear more uh, with me and you, they can listen to your bonus episode on Patreon yeah. that uh, is out tomorrow. But if people just want to check you out online, where can they find you? Yeah. So I'm on Twitter at Juliana D. Maher. That's J U L I A N N A D M A H E R. Um, and I'm on Instagram, Juliana Maher 12, J U L J U L I A N N A M A H E R 12. And uh, why don't you say goodbye to everybody? All right. Thanks so much for having me. Bye. Go go watch some porn, Juliana. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. You, you guys should, though. You guys should. That, that got so uncomfortable for me, though. <laughs> watch it. No. <laughs> it's okay. I'm, I'm very safe. Check out Juliana on the interwebs and obviously go sign up at hotmovies.com. Get, just go try the free trial. Use promo code manhor. Enjoy the free minutes. And if you never want to pay for your porn again, eh, you know, I can't make you, right? Just like that, that lady can't make me let her rim me. <laughs> Time for the fan whore appreciation moment. Okay, these are people on the internet who are not creepy and weird, who I appreciate oh so very much. Uh, I want this is the part of the podcast where I like to give a shout out to a few of the people who are members of my uh, sex positive fan whore community on Patreon. Uh, all three of these fellas, by the way, are in the Peep Show, our super secret naughty picture sharing kick group. And uh, you know, I'm I'm not gonna say which one, but one of them got a pretty good dick. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, <laughs> shout out to Sean Marks. Uh, you know, shout out to you and your Scottish hottie friend. Good curly hair. I miss having such ample hair like yours. He goes by mildly entertaining. I know his real name, but that's not the name he listed. Um, but hey, you know what? You are uh, more than just entertaining in the peep show. So I'm glad that you are taking nicely to the community. And I can't wait to meet you at Manhorcon. And also, I want to give a big thank you to Zach Brell. I'm pretty sure you have a beard, if I remember correctly. It's an impressive beard. Good job, dude, on the beard front. I don't got. M- I don't know much else about you other than that you're awesome because clearly you have good taste if you're giving me money every month. And you, too, can become a member of our fan whore community for as little as $2 per month. You get access to sex-positive discussion groups and bonus episodes of the Man Whore Podcast and oh so much more. At the $5 and up level, uh, you know what? You get to see my nudes every once in a while. 
It's just a thing I like to do. Become a member today at patreon.com slash podcast. Again, that's patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash podcast. Did you know there's a free bonus episode with the wonderful, incredible Nina Hartley? Yeah, it's free. You don't have to pay for it. You just have to go to patreon.com slash podcast. You don't have to put a credit card down. Just go into the posts. Listen to Nina. Listen to us talk about alphas and betas. And that's all. Carefree. Don't got to give me a dime for it. However, I do recommend that you uh, make an account and follow my Patreon so you don't miss the new free monthly bonus episode. You got Nina Hartley is up right up. You got Nina Hartley is up there right now, but I actually just booked uh, one of my grade school crushes which is a bonus episode that will be released exclusively for free on Patreon. So head on over there, patreon.com slash podcast. Make an account for free, no credit card. Click follow and enjoy the free content, okay? And now for this week's guest, Hansi Stokes. Okay. So uh, I met Hansi at the uh, AVN Awards back in January in Las Vegas. I was uh, crashing on her couch uh with alex andrews from swap behind bars i'm sure you all remember her from last month i so this conversation this recording was originally like over two and a half hours yeah we we had some talks okay uh there was a bit of rambling lots of whiskey involved thus the rambling so uh this podcast is edited really for your benefit um, I do want to contextualize again, not only was there whiskey involved on both sides, but this was my fifth recording of the day. My fifth. This podcast ended in tears. I think if you listen super, super closely while Hansi's doing her plugs, I think you can hear me sniffle because I know that as soon as I turn the mics off, I'm going to break down in tears. And then we had a big hug. It was a very emotional day for me. It was really nice to sit on a couch pour some whiskey, and chill the fuck out with a new friend. So let's go chat with Hensy Stokes, everybody. She Hensy Fancy. It's more of like a question of like, what do you think you've learned throughout this journey about yourself? This journey of... Of the podcast. Oh, the podcast. I mm-hmm. thought you meant like of the last like, what, no. like 36 but hours. That's like a question out. that we save for later <laughs> on. We can do that. But like in terms of like logistics of what we're doing, I think I'm, I think cool. I'm pretty good. Yes. You are going to want to be close. Closer yeah. like yeah, this. Yeah, okay, yeah. Like it's annoying close. close I apologize for it. It's okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, Hansi Stokes, thanks for chatting with yeah. me. Yeah. Uh, I... I after all the talking we did, it was like, well, we should have some of this on a mic. On yeah. A mic <laughs> Can't just have all of these to be private conversations. Well, like I'm having, I've, I've had nothing but fun talking to you and no like gap spots where I'm like, oh, okay. Like, no, oh, I'm we're just like, like oh, filling no. this with like, wow, isn't the weather in Las Vegas much colder than you expected it but to be? Any conversation we've had, I felt like we had to cut it off for like a logistical reason. Yeah. And so, yeah. like, and that, that's like awesome. And yeah. Like, yeah. That's a good sign is like, this is a person Definitely. I like talking to. Definitely. So, yeah. Cool. Also, you're letting me crash on a couch. So, yeah. I mean, hey, it's, who am I to? <laughs> it's Alex's room, but like, uh, oh, I was going to say, well, because like Alex was like, oh, and we could do the podcast. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, it'd be rude to like deny like podcasts of, yeah. uh, you know, someone letting you crash. Yeah. Also, Y'all are a great fit because you work for uh, Woodhull Summit. Yes, yes, I do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So I work for the Woodhull Freedom Foundation. Um, We are a 501c3 nonprofit. um, And we advocate for sexual freedom as a basic human right. So we work at the intersection of sexual freedom and human rights. Um, Our main project currently is working on 
the Sexual Freedom Summit, which is an annual conference held in um, Alexandria, Virginia, where we bring people from every corner of the sexual freedom world. So people who have podcasts or lawyers, people in the medical profession, um, grassroots organizers all together in conversation with one another, because I think a lot of this conversation happens online, which is amazing. But to get people in the same room and having those conversations and skill shares and movement building is super, super important. Um, and on top of that, we are also leading the lawsuit fighting SESTA and FOSTA mm-hmm. in the courts right now, um, along with Alex, who is our incredible um, sex work advocate on the lawsuit um, and a couple other organizations. Yeah. Yeah. What, is the lawsuit like coming? Is there a particular like angles coming from? Because like I always thought like if it got taken down from the courts, it mm-hmm. would be from like a free speech uh, mm-hmm. angle yeah, because it, yeah. it's people don't realize like uh, I think Caitlin Bailey said it uh, succinctly in that like it's a free speech uh, law masked as an anti-trafficking mm-hmm. law. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's really the basis that we are approaching it is um, that it chills free speech online. Um, mm. I can't go too much into it just because of um, like what I've signed for working for my organization, but we are focusing on the first amendment ramifications okay. of it um, and how it harms Consensual sex workers. That's one of the um, the main and Billy's Instagram. We don't yeah. <laughs> forget well, exactly. the true loss here. And so I think that's what people don't realize is like I've said it a couple times this weekend, but like the trickle down effect of SESTA and FOSTA of like, all right, it's easy to say that it's it's hurting consensual sex workers, but at like a very everyday level for people who are not in the sex work industry. Facebook now is censoring what you can say, even just about sex. So, or like, in Messenger, or in, yeah, and so like all of these data collecting um, websites and social media platforms that we're using are tracking what we're saying, um, and so it's it's affecting how we can post and um, and keep like actually marketing ourselves, um, even just as people and like what we can put out there. So for us, one of the things that we were concerned about as an organization that puts on event each year is, can we still continue to use Eventbrite to host our registration? Can we still, we're going to have to like, like change the language Mm -hmm. in our description and take all the sex words out. Exactly. And so while we are not specifically a sex work organization, sex workers are very much a part of the community that we serve along with, sex educators and sex therapists mm-hmm. and people who work very closely or adjacently to this and talk about sex on their on their websites how is this going to affect them moving forward you know it, it's you know a lot of people were like if you're taking porn off of tumblr then why does it continue to exist um and you know that's a lot of people's kind of like gateway into watching porn like you were like a tween on tumblr and you were like oh i'm sad and yeah. i'm gonna like oh my god what's this like a piece of porn i'm gonna watch this and now that that doesn't exist it's like that has affected so many more people and that came at but that came around right at the same time as facebook um announced its new um i think they community community standards standards, right yeah so um community standards that were not decided by the community no Mm. exactly (laughs) um and you know it's I think Twitter is kind of one of like the last places like major social media platforms um, that's still pretty good about allowing, you know, even really nipples, anything. like really anything. Twitter has been pretty good. And what, what we're also nipples seeing, or hate speech like Twitter really is. Well, you, so I think that's what's super fucked up right now is I'm allowed to swear on this, right? Yeah. I'm assuming. 
what's super fucked up is like if everyone she these- laughed because I made such a face, such a <laughs> condescending face of like man whore podcast. <laughs> is a lot of these sites are cracking down on sex work and sex related talk and conversation, and yet white nationalism and racism are running rampant. You see that meme like the day after the Tumblr mm-hmm. ban, like um porn down but this is still chill exactly. it was like you know ku klux klan mm-hmm. stuff exactly so i think it's just like you know what it what is more harmful to people like if you are really trying to be um your make your site safer mm-hmm. what is actually perpetuating more violence youtube also mm-hmm. is having some issues like with the uh with like the types of content that can be monetized like mm-hmm. it is coming like i had a one of my, so this podcast technically releases on youtube mm-hmm. They took down like an episode of mine from a few months ago with uh, Rosa Escandone. Hashtag Rosa is hot, everybody. Um, and it, the title was something like the debate between like bisexual, like the, the bisexual versus pansexual debate. Mm-hmm. That got taken down. Yeah. And I was like, wait, what? Like it said violated community standards. I appealed it. Mm-hmm. And they were like, no, it does. And I'm like, excuse me? Did and they it, give you any more information no. besides it violates it? No. Um, mm-hmm. The cover image is Rosa's like headshot for comedy because she's a comedian. Um, She's a queer woman like talking about things. Mm-hmm. There's no like mm-hmm. hate speech involved in it. It's just like it's slowly happening people. Like imagine we start losing sex ed videos mm-hmm. on YouTube. Imagine we lose sex podcasts like this one or Dan mm-hmm. Savage um, or Emily Morris on iTunes yeah. or Spotify or wherever. It's It really is trickling down and mm-hmm. it really is scary. Like I'm genuinely mm-hmm. worried and I still genuinely please insist everyone go to manworldpod.com, sign for the mailing list. I'm not trying to be smarmy. I like just – you don't – you never know. Mm-hmm. Like I can keep doing the show without iTunes technically. Yeah. I can get it to you guys. But you never know if they're just going to take me off. Mm-hmm. And that scares the fucking shit out of me because yeah. this is like, you know, this is my livelihood. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think you know, we are organizing around focusing on sex workers. And that is sometimes hard for the general public. Because like, swallow. well, I'm not a sex worker. So exactly. It doesn't matter. They're like, it doesn't affect me. But, but Sesta and Fosta is so broad that it does affect you. Yeah. And so like. If you don't care about sex workers getting pushed offline and back onto the streets, okay, you're like you have poor moral standards, but you're going to care about like what you can say on Facebook or on Tumblr. If that's what gets you involved in this movement, so be it. But you should know that it has literally started to affect people's lives and their survival. Yeah. Um, and so it, it's something that is affecting everyone at every level like i wish people would care about it because like it's just going to mean more dead hookers but people don't care about those no. and that's that breaks my heart people only care about it when they see it on law and order like and even then they don't <laughs> yeah like I, re- I, sh- I really wish i just really wish that was enough because it really should be enough i really wish they didn't have to take like tumblr porn but like I have, like we have to accept that as how you got on board. Yeah, I just really wish like that. It's w- like if that's what gets that, you that, in the room, I'll take it. But, but we- like know that people are dying. Um, so right now we're in the appeals process. Um, and so we're gonna see. You know, just stay tuned with what's happening with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but what we're doing now, um, is Woodhull has partnered with Swap USA, which is the sex work outreach project. Um to be our sponsor or our, our main partner in our sexual freedom summit this August. Um, mm-hmm. So we have a whole track dedicated to sex work. Um, and we also are going to have a full day sex work Institute um, hosted by swap USA. So we, you know, while we ourselves are not a sex worker organization, 
we know that partnering with swap is going to be a mutually beneficial yeah. partnership. Um, cause they have the reach and we have, um, a the lot resources. of like the coalition building. Yeah. And so us working together is just, I mean, it, it makes sense, especially with the lawsuit going on. That's awesome. How'd you, how'd you even come to be working at Woodhull? Yeah. So, this is your first job at a college, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like one. You're so, like, I want to work with the sex piece. <laughs> so, um, I had been working. So I would like work a bunch of different jobs. Um, I'd been working at a health and education based sex shop and they, a lot of the people who work there, DC based, right? Uh, yeah. Northern Virginia. We say DC. People can take the 10 minute. I mean, you want like, to give them a shout out? Yeah. Can... I mean, Lotus Blooms. I love them. Okay. You got <laughs> they're DC absolutely people. Incredible. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're absolutely amazing. Um, so I was working with them and a couple people who work at Lotus Blooms um, have been heavily involved as volunteers for the summit since it's just right down the road from us every summer. Um, so, I needed to do an internship for my senior year of college. And I was like, Hey, Woodhull is having, it has an open application for a social media intern. Sure. Yeah. I'll but apply. how do you even find that? Which one? The, Woodhull, the sex like shop? the oh, Woodhull, Woodhull internship. Like what, like mm-hmm. what, what made you like as a costume be like, I want to be working in this like sex world. Yeah. Like, yeah. What makes you go to work at a sex toy shop? God, what makes we have you to, like go way back. <laughs> sure. Let's yeah, go, way, go back. way back. We got yeah, time. Sure. <laughs> um, so I have been very fortunate. So like I'm Hansi. I'm a very sex positive person. I think that's part of just like who I have been and who I've grown into being. And so it kind of just made sense. Um, but a lot of that starts with I'm one of the few people who was lucky enough to have parents who were really open about talking about sex. Um, and so, you know, I remember being, I don't know, like maybe third or fourth grade. My mom took me to Barnes and Noble, um, told me to sit in a corner. She came back with like three different options of sex ed books. And she was like, choose one. And I was like, okay. So I chose one called It's Perfectly Normal. Um, what made you choose that one? I like the drawings in it. Um, and then like still to this day, it's one of my favorite sex ed books. Like it's at for like an age appropriate sex ed book. It's really, really great. And they've updated it year to year. Um, it had queer people in it. And so let's see, I'm 23 now. It was like, I was probably like eight or nine. So like if, if back in like, I don't even know what year that was. <laughs> like if back then, like you, you showed queer people and you showed, um, people with disabilities and like interracial couples in a cartoon sex ed book for kids. That's like still unheard of. Yeah. Uh, like it's anywhere. so hard to find. Yeah. It's so hard to find. So I went home and um, said, read the book, read it to cover to cover. And then when you're done, ask me any questions that you have like she really empowered me to like do that research and approach it on my own um what do your parents do um my dad works in e-learning and my mom is like a jack of all trades but she is like a costumer she does a lot of like costumes for plays and stuff in the arts yeah both and then Mm -hmm. and then just this is just for context how do you tell this and then where were you raised i was raised so i was born in california raised in massachusetts okay continue Mm -hmm. um so you know like she was really open with me of like do this research on your own, but then also like ask me any questions that you have. How dare you tell a nine year old go do this sex research on their own though? It's like <laughs> don't 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 do that. Like you're not in high school. Well, not like don't like she wasn't like go on the internet and find this stuff. She was like read this book. Okay. She was like I I've skimmed through it. That's why like she came back with the three options of like things she had vetted, um, and then was like read one of these, <laughs> um, and yeah, I think I think it's. Um, 
so that 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 really like just kind of shaped of like how I was I like I was open enough to talk about sex with my mainly my mom my dad like still gets a little uncomfortable and as do I with him I think that's just like a normal thing um but then that translated into like me being very like open about talking about that kind of stuff with my friends as I was growing up I was raised Unitarian Universalist um which is a very liberal and open religion um that also has a middle school um sex ed like very comprehensive sex ed Mm program called our whole lives which is like when people are like oh i had really bad religious sex ed i'm like oh i had like really good religious sex ed what was your (laughs) what did your sex ed look like um so it's just they really teach like they don't it's not just like risk prevention you know it's not just like how to not get pregnant how to not get stis it's more of like this is what outer course is. And like, that's not even something that I talk about. What? Yes. So outer course is like, you anything. got outer course. Yeah. In the mid aughts, mm-hmm. mid to late aughts. Yeah. Like in this country, it was mm-hmm. this country, right? But you weren't run, like going, taking the class yeah. in France. You were, no, you were here. But like run by a religious organization. Yeah. Our whole lives is really cool. And my that's mom, better than yeah. your, like a non-religious institution. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And so I think like it's, it's kind of to the standards of like what the Dutch standard of sex education is. So OWL not only has the middle school program, but it also has things starting as early as kindergarten. So it's really about like that age specific age appropriate. So starting with the basics in kindergarten of like, if someone wants to hug you, you are, you can say no and they should respect you saying no and you should respect someone else saying no. And my mom was also um became a facilitator for that program once I was out of it. Um so that was really great of like her coming home and being like I learned what outer course was today and I was like that's great mom like I'm so excited for you and so um it was just like I, this was just like part of my upbringing and a lot of like what shaped my my view on the world like I don't think I've questioned any of this like when it comes to human rights or you know, someone saying like, we should be equal, or this is the kind of education we should have. I'm just like, yeah, that makes sense. It's never been like, oh, I had to like learn to be okay with sex work. I think I was just kind of always like, oh, yeah, no, if that's like how someone makes their money. Sure. But like, it's it's about the person. It's not about like the morality of what goes into it. Um, Yeah. To be fair, I grew up in an Irish Catholic town. We are the most Irish town in America, according to the 2010 census. And so, like, I wasn't surrounded by this really in, like, my my town community, but I was in my familial community Mm. as well as who my friends were. We were a bunch of drama kids. So, like, we were all, like, horny and didn't really know what to do with it. Oh, gosh. You're a drama kid (laughs) right in that town. So... You know, I think like I really struggled with like my friends would go to CCD. People would come back from that and be like, this is what we learned today. And I'd be like, well, that doesn't make sense. Like, I know gay people and they're not, they're not going to go to hell. Like, why the, why would you, why would you say that? Like, you know, like, and so I think like, yeah, it's, it was just always something that like my family fostered like an open, welcoming space for people. Um, and like one of, one of my best friends came out in high school, um, and his parents were very much of like the, you're doing this to spite us. Like you came out to spite us. And so he came and lived with my family, like on the weekends, um, pretty much like didn't fully move in, but like we were the safe place for him. Um, which is, I think like 
speaks a lot to the character of my parents, but I'm really grateful that that was like the home life that I grew up in. Um, because that's, that's not true for a lot of people in this world of like, I'm able to, you know, my parents are still shocked when I tell them like, Oh, I, I work at a sex store, but they have come into the sex store now. Like they, they're like, okay, we're learning. Like this is a learning process and they're open to that. And so that's, it's kind of just like set me off on this path of like, okay. Did you ever feel like odd having the views on sex when you were in like middle school, high school that you did? Um, or were you just surrounded by other kids who had similar like upbringings? I think like I, I can so distinctly remember like being at a sleepover with my friends and someone was like, guys, I watched porn yesterday. And then another friend was like, you watch porn? I also watch porn and I was like, wait, you guys do too. Like, it's not just me. And so I think because, like, I didn't know at that time, like there, there was a very distinct time when we were all like, oh, cool. We're not alone in trying to explore this stuff and trying to explore our bodies. And I remember like, um, there was one friend of ours who hadn't watched porn. And so we like pulled up a video. <laughs> oh, you pull- Can you remember what you um, pulled up vaguely? Uh, some woman was fucking herself with a cucumber. And then a guy walked in and she was like, are they going to eat the cucumber? Like our friend was like, are they going to eat the cucumber? <laughs> I was like, I don't know. That's the big concern. <laughs> She's like very much the kind of person who would be concerned about that. Um, but yeah, so it was kind of like a, like we all had to like come out as like, oh, we're all little pervs too, basically. Yeah. Um, and then like one of our friends got a very serious boyfriend in high school. And so like she was the first person that we were all looking to of like, what is sex like? You know, like we were like, we all know we've watched porn, but like, what is it like to actually have sex? And we weren't like a very, we weren't for, for horny drama kids. We were actually not that like sexually active with each other because I feel like that's very rare. Like like, drama kids. Drama kids are fucking. (laughs) And at the time we were all very straight. Like we had a very straight drama group. And then, like, we all have subsequently come out in some kind of way. (laughs) Yeah, you, uh, yeah, some people came out, like, on Facebook, you bought the shirt you wore today. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. She wore the the most lesbian shirt. I really think I've seen all month or all year, you know. (laughs) You can buy it at Madewell. Uh, (laughs) They do not sponsor this podcast. Uh, (laughs) Just my closet. Um, Yeah, so, like, then when I got to college, um... I knew I was going to study anthropology because that was very much to me like a social justice based um, field of study. I liked talking to people and it's very heavy in interviewing and um, ethnography. And then um, like I knew what feminism was, but there was nothing that was ever like pushing me in the direction of like doing any organizing in that um, or like taking that into my studies until like, my freshman year, they did. They put on um, an annual production of the Vagina Monologues, and I went and saw it, which I understand. I is- seriously feel like every high school got the Vagina Monologues except mine. Well, this was college. Oh. Like this was this okay. was like my freshman year of college, and I remember watching it, and I was like, I cried like the whole time, and I called my mom afterwards, and I was like, I'm gonna minor in women's studies and she was like do something practical like journalism <laughs> i was like eh. oh like that's practical yeah exactly and i was like <laughs> and i was like this is coming from the woman who like tells me about like the feminist convention she went to in the 70s 
she's come around to it and she's like, I can't believe I said that to you. How could I crush your dream like that? And I was like, it's okay. You were just like a concerned parent of a freshman in college. Um, so I ended up double majoring in anthropology and women and gender studies. And like those were, those two were kept very separate from each other. There is a way that they can cross over, but I was doing like, um, more like body positivity and sex positivity on the women and gender side. Um, and then doing more like, um, folk art and museum studies on the anthropology side. So like those two very different lives. And then I ended up studying, abroad in Amsterdam which is like (laughs) it's like this very cliche story of like I went and studied abroad and it was in Amsterdam and I came back gay like (laughs) you know like um well you know Amsterdam they got that marijuana (laughs) and the gay (laughs) yeah (laughs) sex drugs and rock and roll um yeah but like I think like the people who I was friends with in in college up until that point, like on my campus, were all queer friendly, but no one had really come out yet. Um, we're like a very liberal, but like politically liberal kind of stuffy campus in Washington, D.C. Um, and so it's kind of Where'd like an uh, American university. Uh, yeah, no, mm-hmm. I almost went to American. It's um, a good school. Like yeah. I, I enjoyed it. Um, but then like going abroad – I was surrounded. It was a 24 person um, group of people, mainly um, AFAB people and most of them queer, like a majority of them queer. And then I'm just going to, yeah. I know what AFAB is, yeah. but I'm going to ask you to just tell someone what AFAB means. Cause I don't know that all my listeners yeah. yet know that term. Definitely. So AFAB means assigned female at birth. Um, that speaks more to, um, you know, how medical providers assign gender at birth, which is a problematic um, uh, practice. Um, and and since I studied abroad, a lot of people have subsequently come out as different um, – not different. Oh god, that's so awful. Is that um, different? Well, not, not as different. It's like, accurate. Like they it's now identify ac- differently than they did at the time, yeah. and so like it, I have not kept track of how twenty four people now currently identify. Yeah. Let's just say the majority of the people were AFAB um, on this trip, and a majority of them were queer. And now, ev- and everyone who was straight at the time. <laughs> pretty much has now also come out as either bi or queer or pan or yeah, whatever. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um myself being one of those. And so while I was studying abroad, I was now in a place where I was surrounded by people who were openly queer and I was like, "Oh my gosh, like I now like this I'm now around people where I feel comfortable exploring this side of myself." Um I entered into like my first serious relationship while I was there um, and like fell in love and it was um, with a trans man. And, you know, then that made me also question. I was like, okay, so what does this mean for me? Because at that time I was like, I still identify as straight. He still identifies as straight, but this is a queer relationship. So there's like a lot of, there's a lot of, I had a lot of conflicting emotions about that, but I was like, okay, this is like, I am in love with this person we'll deal with sexuality labels at another time. Um, 
And then while I was there, we learned a lot about sex work and different models of sex work. So legalization, um, which is the model in uh, the Netherlands versus decriminalization, the Nordic model. Um, and, and then I also had the opportunity to volunteer at a health and education based sex shop while I was there, which was really cool. Um, and that's kind of what like really got me in the door of there are places like this that exist. Um, and so when I came back to the States, I was like, all right, I'm going to explore my sexuality. I'm going to get a part-time job and I don't want to be a waitress. So I'm going to see if there are any sex shops that are hiring around me. And I found Lotus Blooms and they were hiring. And I was like, cool. Like, this is, this is great. Like, this is a great part-time job. Um, and then Lotus Blooms led me to Woodhull and it kind of just made sense from there. Yeah. Killer. Yeah. Killer. I wrote down so many things. That I was like, oh, I want to keep track of things I want to refer back to. <laughs> Trying to like even feel. I feel like first thing I was like, okay, um, you mentioned like sex books and sex ed. And I think the book that I think single-handedly can fix the comprehensive sex ed problem in yeah. this country mm-hmm. is a book called Sex by Heather Corinna. Oh, um, who's Scarlet Teen, right? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. book is so comprehensive. It literally has everything. If you just all you have to do is just teach that book, yeah, and you're done. You fixed it. Have you have you like skimmed through it at all? I haven't. No, like, I, it yeah. has like the diagrams of like here's all like different looking breasts. Mm-hmm. Hey, penises can look different. Like it's everything. They talk about sexual orientations, gender, um, all the bio stuff that like we kind of already learned. Mm-hmm. Like it really is comprehensive sex ed in a book. If we're so yeah, I think like. In terms of sex ed books that I think like everyone should read, I need to check that one out. Um, cause I love Scarletine. Scarletine so, is a so resource good. that we send people to all the time. I tell um, people go to CDC or Scarletine. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, I think why Scarletine, though it's geared towards teens, I think that's perfect for anyone at any age because a lot of people got really shit sex education. And so you're learning sex ed at a teen level, basically. Yeah. Like here are the basics of it that you should have been taught and I'm sorry that you weren't, but like it's never too late to start. And that's, that's something that, that working at my store has really taught me is like, we need to meet people where they're at Mm -hmm. with Mm -hmm. this. You know, it's not their fault that they didn't get good sex ed. It's, it's a larger societal problem. And so we need to say like, all right, so you're laughing at that dildo because you're uncomfortable so let's do a little bit of work right now. Like let's let's have this conversation. Um, and so while we're like peddling dildos, we also are doing a lot of like therapy for people. Though we're not therapists, we have therapists yeah. on staff, but it's not a therapy space because in in our store, sometimes we are the first place that someone has ever been told it's okay to come and talk about sex openly. Because we, you know, like when you go into an Apple store and you look at an iPhone, you ex- you ask the genius and you expect them to be knowledgeable about the products. The same goes for when you walk into a sex store. Like hold your sex stores to a higher standard because there are one, you know, we're few and far between across the country, but they exist. Go look at Joellen, um, Redhead Bedheads, Superhero Sex Shops. Um, she's got a list of everyone in the country. Find one near you, but like I'll personally recommend Babeland. Yes. Babeland is amazing. A good history of feminist sex shops um, is a book. What? Buzz? No. Buzz is really great. Vibrator Nation by Lynn Comella. 
I'm totally fangirled when she came and did her book tour at Lotus Blooms um, because she, you know, kind of takes an ethnographic look um, and and history at feminist sex shops. Ah. Totally, totally wonderful. Hallie Lieberman, who did Buzz, mm-hmm. did the podcast. Oh, awesome. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. That was no, a good episode. Both two really good books if you want to, like, geek out about this stuff. But if you're looking for good resources to kind of just, like, start with now. So um, Heather Corinna's book, Sex is a good place to start. Mm-hmm. Also, Emily Nagoski's Come As You Are. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That book, oh my God, like I cannot say enough about that book. And now she's working on a couple different ones right now. So she's working on like a burnout workbook for people. Um, so like everyone who works in this industry is burnt out constantly because it it's um, it takes a lot of emotional energy. And so it's a workbook that people can can kind of like vent those feelings. Um, but then she has a, a follow up to come as you are, which is um, not only a, it's it's focused mainly on cis women's pleasure. Um, she makes a really great note in that that she wants it to be more inclusive. Um, it's just that a lot of that research doesn't exist right now. So she's working on the, the research that she does have. Um but it's about, you know, not just like physically what's going on when someone's aroused, but also what plays into the mental side of arousal and pleasure. So like if you ha- are like feeling really flirty and someone tickles you, it's the greatest feeling. But if the next day you had the worst day at work and someone tickles you, they're losing a hand and kind of like mm. how those plan together. But then on top of all of that, how society's messages around sex and sexuality and pleasure all play into it. So it's really great um, for people, for vulva owners or anyone who is partnered with someone who has a vulva or just if you want to know more about this because a lot of it, you know, just just take any of the like anatomy out of it and focus on how does culture talk to us about our bodies and sex. And yeah, it's really, really good. Man, I- inclusive language really fucks with people who don't speak that language because like I will also... I interchange it, but I do throw in like stuff like I'll say like a vulvar haver or mm-hmm. I like saying dick wielder. Like when I'm referring to people <laughs> with penises, like dick wielder, I just have decided that's the way I prefer to have to say it. Uh, if I have to use like that type of be like, I'm purposefully trying to include everyone. Yeah. Dick wielder. Love that one. Exactly. Uh, yeah. I mean, like, but- <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And so I think like something I've, you know, working at the, the store that I work at and in the world that I work in you know, when we when we talk about gender, we should not always be focused on genitals. But when we're talking about how sex toys can work with a body, we have to talk about, all right, so this is going to work for a vulva mm. in this way. And on someone who has a penis, it's going to work in this way. And so like, we have to create the you know, I've coming from Massachusetts, my my general welcoming to a group of people is you guys, and I've had to change that into you folks or hey, folks, you know, and so even just like tweaking that I language. won't let go of guys. Oh, it's so I won't, hard. I, I won't it's let go of so it. It's so hard. <laughs> uh, but I'll try. I I will I'll but my concession is when I spell folks, I spell it F O L X. And yes. in me mm-hmm. like in my head, I don't like to me, I feel like that's my eh, and that's a little like subtle way of being like, "Hey, I see you." I don't know. <laughs> it's it's um Honestly throw X at the end of like most words and it like feels like you're you're seeing other people. <laughs> you're subverting <laughs> and like opening it up. Yeah. No, it's definitely um yeah, like I when I first started at the store, like someone would walk in and I'd be like, "Hey guys, like what can we help you find today?" And now, you know, it it's turned into 
hi folks, how can we help? Is there anything we can help you find? Um, and even just like tweaking that language a little bit. Um, it's mainly for groups of people where I don't know what people's gender identity is. Um, those are just like the little everyday things that we can start working in to conversation. What's something you have grown and changed on uh, fundamentally? I don't mean like you learned the language of something where you were like, oh, yeah, no, no I totally agree with that. Uh, but now I know like a language to use. Like I mean like fundamentally something, an issue, whatever, where you like had to grow and evolve on it. Yeah. I mean, okay. So like. Oh, gosh. I think like one that I know that I really need to work on and part of it is also like goes back to like my own sexual identity is like the differences and the nuances and like how people label between bisexual, pansexual, queer, like who can use these words and whether or not I feel like I can use those words. Um, Like I have been so I'm in a relationship with a woman, a cis woman currently. Um, <laughs> Super hot, bro. <laughs> My, my little soft butch <laughs> um and um like she identifies as a lesbian and um i i just i still do not know how i identify um it, my track record has been mostly cis men um but i think like i always kind of knew that that's not who I wanted to be dating. And so I'm kind of thrown into this limbo of like, Wait, so are you not into cis men or do you realize you're not only into cis men? A little, a little bit of both. Like, so if you had asked me two years ago, like, do you think you could, like if you and your partner ever broke up, do you think you would end up with a man or a woman? I probably would have said a man. And at this point, if you ask me now, I will say I'll probably end up with a woman. Um, but I still don't know. Like I still find men attractive. Um, the guys that I casually dated, um, throughout college, um, I think were just kind of jerks. Well, also, <laughs> yeah. don't, don't, don't yeah. determine your basis on whether or not you want to be in the men on college boys. Well, no. Okay. Definitely. Well, and like, <laughs> yes, yes. Also that, um, I know I just like, I'm, I'm now no longer in a lot of spaces that have a lot of cis men in them. Um, and if they are, it's, it's just, you know, like, um, luckily DC has had like a couple of lesbian bars open recently. And so like, that's a shock it is a shock. those things only close. They only close because we like to go to bed at nine o'clock. Let it, let this be known that we're recording this, um, at like what, like 11, 11, yeah. 11, but my head is in Eastern time. So it's like, I'm really proud 1 of you. I'm proud of so you. I should be in bed. <laughs> I should have been in bed like four hours ago. You are not um, old enough to have that point of view. <laughs> I my spirit age is sixty five, so <laughs> this is like, um, yeah. So I think like one of you know like while I've while I've dated men, I'm still attracted to men, mainly attracted to women at this point in my life. I still struggle with a lot of bi erasure, like my own my own erasing of my own mo- most likely by identity. Um, but then like making comments about like, um, you know, like if um, a woman is dating a man, I'm like, ugh, like straight people. And my girlfriend would be like, you don't know if she's bi or not. Or like she is bi. How can you just like 
talk about like throw that away. And I'm like, oh, you're right. I know I need to like do the work. So my resolution for 2019 was to like stop erasing bi people. And it's not that I don't think bisexuality exists because I know that it does. And I know that it's a completely valid sexuality. Like it's, it's not, I think like it's none of those classic arguments. It's just that I'm like, I would prefer people to be like visibly queer. <laughs> I, um, I, I talked about this like a few months ago on an episode. Um, the these labels really are just starting to become bullshit not because like oh labels are bullshit but because gender theory is starting to dismantle any of these i identify as a straight cis man my most recent ex is um came out uh came out whatever in in the course of the relationship Mm -hmm. but is a gender queer person with a vulva Mm -hmm. and it's like what did that mean for me because Am I still straight? Like, am and not even about like let's let's take the selfish part where it's like, am I still straight? It's like if I choose to still identify as straight, does that erase their identity? I wrote a paper about this in college. Really? And like I need help. It, it was a theory <laughs> paper, and so like I kind of just like talked myself into a corner. Um, and I was also trying to figure out like my own sexual identity through this paper of like Please help, because I'm so confused cis about partners myself. partners of trans people. Yeah. Um, and you know, if you if your partner is already out before you start dating and it's a it's it's a new relationship dynamic like queer relationship or maybe it's now a, like it's 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 this this line of like are we this is a queer relationship but if we're both passing mm-hmm. it, out in the world it seems like a straight relationship and that sometimes is safer but that's also like maybe not what you want like that's mm-hmm. not your politics you want to be a queer radical couple yeah. like, um, like they like they look like they totally pass for a woman but they, they look they just look like a lesbian mm-hmm. and then i look how i fucking look mm-hmm. um and so people will just be like oh like he's dating someone with a pixie cut right and so exactly like oh exactly. like what an edgy new york thing to do right um <laughs> and so like but it's like that, well, technically i'm in a queer relationship I but does that make queer. you queer and exactly. i would argue no because i don't you know i think it's i think there's more yes our sexuality is dependent on who our part it's related to who our partner is but it is not it does not change who you fundamentally mm. are does that make sense? Yeah. And sexuality, of course, is fluid. Like, and that's, I think that's, that's what's so, we need to remember in this conversation is like sexuality is fluid. So like, if you are in a queer relationship and then you're like, oh, wait, I really like, this is the space that I feel comfortable in. And like, I want to seek out queer relationships. Don't be a chaser. But like, if you feel more comfortable, like if, if that now starts to feel right and you want to explore that a little bit more, then then you can do that. Or if you're like, okay, that, that actually didn't work. And I feel more comfortable in a straight space. Or if that fluctuates day to day, all completely valid. And I've just been very confused because like, I, well, because I feel more comfortable in queer spaces. I always have, uh, I don't, uh, some of the the people in those queer spaces don't always feel comfortable by like this face being there, this face, not being Billy's, but just like, I look so incredibly, the enemy like i like mm-hmm. right so yeah, it's like yeah but but i've always felt because like i feel like when i'm in a queer space like okay everyone's welcome there which means i'm welcome there because i have a heavy bullying isolated background where like i had no friends for a good nine years i got um physically beat up like for all of high school like i just so 
So I like a space where I'm like, oh, because in a quick, my sex party community hacienda in Brooklyn is very queer friend. It's like very queer. And so like everyone's there, like all the body types, all the orientations could be a little bit more racially diverse, but like a little bit out of their control. So like, but like it's very, everyone's there. Yeah. And my head goes, well, everyone's there. If everyone's there, then I must also be allowed there. And that made me feel so included, more so than any mainstream whatever space I've ever been in. Yeah. Like I, so I present as femme. I'm a cis woman. I, I dress very, um, very feminine. Besides shirt, that shirt, the I was shirt wearing you wore today, today, I will present <laughs> to the court as exhibit gay. Um, <laughs> but I think, you know, like, um, so it's something, but so like I hold a lot of privilege, but I am also someone with a larger body and not, you know, like I, I fall in this kind of like, do you not like the F word? Like, I feel fat. Like, I, I feel that. But I also know that, like, I'm a size 16, which falls in this weird, like, I am, the national I'm still average. a straight cis man. I will never understand your size numbers. Yeah, so. no, that's okay. <laughs> but, like, a size 16 is the national average. So, like, okay. actually, I have an average body type. But with media messaging growing up, like, you are told that you yeah. are fat and you don't look yeah. like other people and you don't fit in. And so, like, I think when I started entering more queer spaces and I was like, oh, my God, like, people are so, you know, like, people are so body positive here. I think what led me to the queer community was the body positive mm-hmm. community. Um, Because, like, you're, like, everyone is welcome and you see all of like being at this conference right now and being at this expo, you see empowered people of all different shapes and sizes, especially for the cameras. I'm like, uh, you know, I was talking about it with Nina Hartley earlier and, and we were, we were kind of saying like 30 years ago, a lot of these cameras would not have been hired by Never. mainstream producers Never. and look at the kind of power that cameras have right now to, to, to say, no, I'm hot. I'm fucking sexy. I'm I'm going to share that with the world. I think that's and it, it puts that power in their hands. But then it also says to people like you are deserving of sex and pleasure and and to feel good in the body that you exist in. I'll um, get that mess. I'll accept that message one of these days. Yeah, yeah, no, and no, and it's like it's a constant battle of like me fluctuating between like yes, I have a right to be fat. I also need to go to the gym because I'm paying for it and I need to be healthy. And it's just like this, Oh God. And like, and not that being fat is means that you are unhealthy because that is not what it is at all. But like, that's my inner monologue of mm-hmm. like, Oh, I should not like feel winded walking up that set of stairs right yeah, now. Tying my shoes should not be a thing that has me short of breath. <laughs> You're like, oh, okay, let me like queer spaces are where I feel very comfortable because I'm like, my body is accepted here. Like if I wear a crop top, at a club like i don't i don't feel as conscious now as i did when i was um not out to myself in like early college Mm -hmm. and i'd go out and i'd be like oh my god like i have to like cover up but still kind of be sexy but i don't know like how to like toe that line um but then something else i also kind of like have to grapple with right now is like being a femme presenting person when I go to queer spaces alone. So if I'm there with my partner, we're a butch femme couple, like very, very stereotypical. Um, And so 
me in relation to her is viewed as queer in those spaces. Right. But when I enter on my own, I struggle with. They're like, is she confused? Is she experimenting? Exactly. Like, I don't want to be that like, oh, is she straight and just like trying this out for a little bit? And like, you know, I think there's there's a lot You're of. You're gonna fem- have to get like a yeah. side shave or something. Yeah. Well, I I did an undercuts growing out right now. It's okay. awful. <laughs> um, you know, there's a lot. There is a lot of fem erasure both in the gay male community and in the gay female community. Um. And so that's like why I bought a shirt like the one that I wore today. It's like I'm going to signal to people that like I'm Don't worry. Queer. Signal red loud and clear. <laughs> um is yeah. You know, but, yeah. Well, like oh, remember the remember when uh, that one girl was like pretty much about to cry with Nina Harley just be like oh, oh my god. Yeah, yeah, totally. Did you remember seeing next to her there was this large woman like her the back of her um laptop said let's get weird she had like a like a weed hat on armpit hair like like she like she was very clearly be like i'm gonna be like very i'm not gonna look like anyone else at this conference mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um i am big i am different looking i like a lot of these like she had a lot of like weird piercing mm-hmm. stuff like on her face yeah and she gets paid by probably mostly dudes mm-hmm Mm-hmm. get naked yeah and you're like yo like cameras really have the have like all the, that's probably where the most body positivity is in porn is this like camming world because mm-hmm. you'll find your people oh totally and like you you know you also control how you are being seen yeah i used to cam in college mm-hmm. granted i had a different body than i have now but like i was not no one would look at me and be like, oh, my God, that's the guy's like so fit and in shape, right? And, man, sometimes I have to really remember that to be like, no, it's okay if I'm not – I don't have abs. Yeah. Because, yeah. like, dudes still want to pay to see me naked. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, I – you know, like, I get affirmation from my partner and I'm like, yeah, but you love me. Like, <laughs> it's not fair that you say that. But, like, when I, like, get hit on in places, I'm like, okay – is it a creepy dude? But then like also some, you know, like if I'm having a bad day, I'm like, oh, fuck off. But like if I'm, if I'm, if I'm feeling good about myself that day and someone cat calls me and like just whistles or is like, hey, babe, I don't know. You're like mad, but then like in your head, you're like, you're like still like, got it. Yeah. You're like, oh, <laughs> thank you. Like I've got it. Um, But it's most, it's still mostly attention from men. And I'm like, oh, when am I going to get that attention from women? Because women don't cat call. You're not going to. Well, no, they're not cat calling me, but like. I'm like, when is someone going to be into a femme and like, you know, like, I just like want a really cute butch who's not my girlfriend to compliment me one of these days. (laughs) So if you see me on the street, be that person. Um, But just to be like seen visibly queer by the people who I want to be seen visibly queer by. Does Mm. that make sense? Yeah. You want the other queers to know that you're a queer. Yes. When you're walking down. And so I think like when I was, when I was first coming out, like very stereotypical story of like my girlfriend and I dating of like how lesbian relationships start of like she had clark desert boots and we were sitting in class next to each other and i like started googling like clark desert boots and it was like do i want to be her or do i want to be with her and so i like started like adding butchier clothes to my like shopping carts online never buying them but just like adding them um and like that that's not who i am like fundamentally i am not a masculine of center person i am very much a feminine person i play around with more masculine looks because that's just fashion and that's fun um but it's like you know it's it's 
okay, so maybe I want to be read as more visibly queer. Maybe I want to look like this person. Like, you know, I felt like I had to go like very much on the like far end of the spectrum of like chop all your hair off and like live as a butch lesbian for a little while and then like fem it back up later on. But no, like you can, you can exist. Anyone can exist in these queer identities the way that they look. Um, and so it just kind of like took some time to like get there for me. And that was like, right. yeah. That's wild. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can I pause to pee? Please. please. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> like I got halfway through that. I'm like down half the uh, I, I don't know if it's just like the way like I speak with you or if it is the pinch of whiskey I had. Um, there, was, there were two shots of whiskey in there. <laughs> I was trying to lie to my audience. No. Um, <laughs> see, I'm not good at it. I poured the drinks. I poured the drinks. There were two shots of no, whiskey in there. Uh, but I don't know what it is about either like the whiskey or like talking with you that it, it just feels like uh, like it, that, that, that flies by. What is your Myers-Briggs? Do you know what your personality type is? No. Okay. It's like a personality test and people are very oh. divided on it. But I live by my Myers-Briggs type, which is an ENFP, which are notoriously known to be like the most outgoing people ever. <laughs> oh. All I know is I broke the Kinsey. I failed the Kinsey test. What do you mean you failed the Kinsey I test? Mean, you're like, like not on this. You're not on his scale. I mean, I took it and it said I failed it. I took it years later. I still failed it. Yes. So you just like you, didn't. T- what do you? They said, and I, I'm, I'm almost quoting. Um, either I answered a question incorrectly, or I'm like a very unique person. <laughs> I think it's just because, like, I'm. <laughs> I, th- I, I know. They were like, "Oh, you're like a negative one." And, no, like you're like, that no, straight. No, <laughs> it said it said fail. <laughs> and I found this out on a date. <laughs> Like this this woman, uh friend of the pod, Andrea mm-hmm. Allen, like one of my dearest friends, mm-hmm. um, on her second day she like made uh she took a, us to the to like the uh the East River, um like this little made like a picnic and then she's like, Oh, we should take the Kinsey test and like we did this, like she did hers and then she t- had me do it and then she's like, It says you failed <laughs> Because I and I, I still think it's because like I am comfortable around other dicks. I also don't want the other dicks in me, but I'm also willing to say like that a man can be attractive. Yeah, no, I think that's like I think that's what's flawed about the Kinsey test. Like it, it was revolutionary for its time because yeah. it's like yes, homosexuality in its very like scientific terms is normal, and like people just happen to fall on this scale of zero to six, right? And like. Yeah we now know that people do not fit into neat little boxes. I'm the only person I've met who has failed, failed this it. thing. Um, <laughs> I don't remember what I got on it. Cause it, it fluctuates. It, it honestly fluctuates. Um, but I think like my favorite wording on the Kinsey test is like more than incidentally or incidentally homosexual. It's like, what? I'm sorry. Like, I just like stumbled into this, like yeah. this queer relationship, which honestly is, pretty much what happened with yeah. like my first serious it's kind of like you tripped like, and fell on a fist like what? <laughs> <laughs> i was like i was like oh like okay i'm in a relationship with this person and like this happens to be a queer relationship so like i guess i'm a little incidentally gay <laughs> and now i think it'd be i have no idea i haven't taken it since i've started dating my partner because like i'm i we are in a monogamous relationship and so like i'm mostly thinking within the confines of our relationship 
Um, but I'm like, yeah, dude's still attractive. But like now the, the answer to that question is like, I don't know if I would have sex with a penis sure. right now. Definitely would have sex with a Vic skin penis, but not a human penis. <laughs> See, like, I, I think my thing is like, oh, like this guy is probably supposed to be a little gay and, uh, he just won't accept it. I think that's what the test wants me to admit. <laughs> and I kind of just refuse to. Like, we were talking about John Mulaney this morning, right? Yeah, and I yeah, think yeah. like one of my favorite bits that he has is like he's like i should probably be gay like in heaven they were putting me together and then god was like you flipped the gay switch on that guy and they're like oh no we did not well this will be a very, very interesting, interesting person human. yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, so a great it's, bit. Like, it's it's i mean john Mulaney's like the fucking best yeah. um but yeah so i think it's like we have these assumptions about people and how they should yeah. be and then like i don't know if like if you've ever felt pressure because you feel that people view that about yourself of you're like, do I have to live up to that? Like, should Toxic I be, masculinity like, should I be uh, more interested in penises than I am? Like, is that something uh, you've ever thought? Um, I do a self check in. I'm like, do I want a cock in my mouth? And then she's like, no, that idea just sounds so awful to me these days. I'm like, Oh, I used to like identify of like, I love giving blowjobs. And now I'm like, that's only because no. you're dating a chick. No, 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 like, no, it's not. I, no, it's on. not. Like, it, it literally is I feel not. like if you were back in, like, the I'm also, like, hooking up with men on a, like, casual basis level, you might be, like, you might, you may, maybe you don't, but I think that being with a woman for an extended period of time maybe makes you forget whether or not you like certain things because you just haven't been doing them. What was I, I was watching something the other day and I would, Oh, it was that show Mom, which I've never watched before. But on this episode, they were like, I think God probably designed a penis and then was like, eh, I'll fix it in the morning and just like never <laughs> fixed it in the morning. And I, I that's honestly like vulvas all, also are not that beautiful. Like gen- genitalia is weird. Like it's weird we put them in our mouths or on our mouths. Yeah. Who was like, yeah, that's what you want to put there. <laughs> like, like tits make sense because as babies, that's. Our source of food, but like, I um, I also like this whole like the whole like trans woman thing is I don't know. I had this guest on like several like a while now at this point I don't know when this episode's coming out, but like a while I a while ago I had this one trans woman on who made me go like, oh fuck, she's like really really pretty. Now I gotta like think about this. Part of it being like I don't want to go like I. I just don't want to have to like sit and like have to journal. Like that's it's not about like a fear. I journaled it's, a lot through my coming out, so that's it's just hilarious. a matter of like, do I gotta think about this thing? Um, does this have to change something? Uh, I talked to one guest about like, uh, like trying to like grasp onto straightness, like for dear life type of thing. Mm-hmm. I think that's probably the closest. Is like once in a blue moon, there is like a trans woman that gets me like, oh fuck you, purdy. Like, um, and I don't know what that is. I have not pursued those things. I, f- I feel like I'll figure out when I get there. It, it is confusing. Like, as someone who studied women and gender studies in school, like, queer theory is the most confusing of all. Because all of it cancels each other out. Um, I'm reading a really good uh, graphic novel right now called Queer and Illustrated History. I don't know if you've heard of it. No, but of course you're reading it. Yeah, it's so good. And I'm like, it's like the thing that I pick up when I'm like, Ugh, I'm having conflicted feelings about like what queerness is today. Um, and so then I pick it back up and I'm like, all right, what's the new theory that I'm talking about right now? Um, and what they really break down is like queer exists as an identity. Mm. It exists as an adjective. 
it exists as a verb. So to queer something, um, to be queer as um, an identity, like it, it exists as so many different things. Um, and so it really is contextual on how you use them. And that like queer theory, again, just like backs you into a corner. Like there is no neat answer to it because queerness is all about throwing off what we know as the norm. Like if we are going to queer something, if we're going to queer the idea of gender, if we're going to queer the idea of sexuality, yeah, you're just going to end up more confused than you began. Mm. Um, And so I think like for me, like the best way that I've heard it explained was by Kate Bornstein, the famous trans activist. She says, you know, like if we look at queerness, it means that when an object or person is viewed straight on, you're only seeing one side of that person. So like if I'm looking at you, I'm only seeing one side of you. But if I were if I were positioned at a different angle, I'd be seeing a completely different idea. They're both like the, both the, sides okay, are pretty yeah. <laughs> straight, cis and white and bearded. But, but in the way of like you you contain multitudes and you still continue to exist as those multiple things at the same time. It's based on the viewer of how they're viewing you. Mm. So you you can exist as multiple identities at the same time. It just depends on how you're positioned, how someone else is positioned. So um, on all this gender stuff, like there, there's, there's been this period of time and I go through waves of just like even thinking about it. Most of it's like theoretical. Um, yes. <laughs> but when anytime the, th- the thought process leads to me being like, maybe then if I don't identify as like manhood or if I'm thinking about teams, like I don't identify as like this guy team. Guys was going to be a shit at me all the time. Like, uh, I never fit in with them. Never felt like, like, man, man. Um, if I, one of the guys, but if I, but if I started using they, them pronouns tomorrow, like, queer people would be mad. You know what I mean? Like, unless I get a cool haircut or Mm -hmm. change my wardrobe, people would be pissed if I use they, them pronouns. The and, you, and you know, thing is and you know, but you issue. know, I'm yeah. right. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. the queer world will look and be like, oh, that straight cis guy is now using they, them pronouns. Mm-hmm. Is he mocking us or X, Y, and Z? Or, yeah. hey, he just gets to keep looking like that and use them. And I'm like, your theory says I can identify as I want and see why your logic doesn't fucking make any sense. Um, but then it, but it's very real for me because anytime I read, um, any books that I, oh, I'm gonna flip it. Uh, <laughs> anytime I read any books that has like any sort of like, like uh research science whatever and they're talking about like men and how we're supposed to operate and you know like um like how we will operate in terms of like just like horniness or sexuality like i've never anytime they're describing female sexuality i almost always identify with what they're describing that when they're just like so right now like the book i'm reading uh is is what what do women want it's by daniel bergner yeah so he's talking a lot about like female sexuality mm-hmm. in this this is research done not by him but like by like female researchers mm-hmm. on human mm-hmm. sexuality specifically female sexuality mm-hmm. almost all the stuff they're talking about um i identify with what they describe as female sexuality almost mm-hmm. exclusively mm-hmm. um with like stuff about emotions about x y and z and i don't know what to do with that information because I don't want to transition. I don't feel like I'm a, like I like having this cock thing kind of. Um, uh, I, I I don't need to like. Ch- I don't feel like I need to change my appearance other than I'd like to lose some weight. But like I do not identify with this manhood thing. 
and I don't know what to do because again, I know that if I wanted to try to try on the queer titles, queer land's not going to accept me unless I change my presentation, mm-hmm. which I don't want to do. That seems like a lot of work. I hate shopping. <laughs> and so I feel like I'm in a space where like, I don't know what to do. So I do round up to this like man thing. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's right. <laughs> But that's the closest I got. Well, right now. I think about like I think part of what we're what we're doing in expanding ideas of gender and ideas of sexuality, um, you know, it doesn't always necessarily mean that like that has to be within a queer realm. Um, what it does is it, it expands categories for all people, and so that you're able to fluctuate between super hyper machismo to like more in touch with your more feminine masculinity. Right. And like it, it's, it's at that point mm-hmm. mixing feminine with masculine, like describing masculinity as a feminine masculinity. Now it just doesn't seem like any of this language is making sense. I mean like what sucks about like social constructs mm-hmm. is that like they have been passed down so many times that the inherent characteristics have started to stick in categories. And so as we're like trying to move about and trying to um, queer what it means to, to, to have this like, like how, how we use the language, what the language means, what it signifies. It like, we, we start to be like, yeah, but does that then affirm that like femininity is this and that masculinity is this and only is it when we like put masculinity on a female body or put like femininity on a male body not necessarily trans bodies but like someone who you know like a high-powered female ceo who's taking on masculine characteristics Mm -hmm. but still wears a skirt and high heels every day you know it it, that's when we start to get like okay so what do these categories inherently mean it's it's something that theorists are still it, it it it's confusing sure um and and we're like okay, it's like a chicken or the egg kind of situation of like did these categories exist and like or did we create the categories oh shit like what happened we're like are we just further ingraining that this is what this means or are we actually trying to change it it's 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 all very just like muddled in all of like when you start to read queer theorists you're just like oh shit <laughs> i, I should have just stayed where i was <laughs> like, <laughs> i should have just left it alone <laughs> i wish i just didn't know better and i just wish i uh i wish i didn't know any of this just so mm-hmm. i didn't have to like question it i i something that i do think is really interesting is as more people start to use um, hormone replacement therapy, mm. so use testosterone, um, hormone blockers, or estrogen, that is starting to kind of show us how hormones and biology affect this as well. So like the nurture versus nature, society versus what's inherent um, changes things. Like, for instance, like – and and – like I have not done research into this just from like a purely like, Oh, I've noticed this when my partner, my, my past partner, um, the trans dude. Yeah. So, um, he had not started to medically transition until we, um, we were, we were in a relationship. So he started, I was with him when he started taking testosterone. Um, You started when he like presented like 
probably like a like he butch he lesbian. Type. No, no, like no. he was he was out as trans. He was like okay. I always used a masculine name for him. Masculine oh, okay, okay, pronouns. Okay, okay, okay. Um, but he he wasn't on hormones yet. Gotcha. Um, he started hormones while we were dating, and that like testosterone is a fucking powerful hormone, and like going from this part like. There were a lot of things, factors playing into like why our relationship didn't work out. But uh, one of them was like the way that he experienced emotions changed. And that's been something that like in in doing the research of like being a partner to a trans man who's on testosterone, like is something I've seen time and time again of like it is physically harder to cry. It's physically harder to cry when you're on testosterone. Really? Yes. Because I cry all the time. And, 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 and that's that maybe before, like, but from like his basis of like how much he cried before he was on hormones to like him feeling sad and like tears were not the first thing to well up. Right. And like, I remember him calling me and being like, I, I am now experiencing anger. Like that is not like pure instead anger. of sadness, anger in like anger in a way that he hadn't experienced anger before ever like mm. 20 21 years of life like had not experienced anger in a certain way and was like okay so now i've been on t for three months like i'm experiencing anger in this very specific like that was the emotion that i jumped to as opposed to like anxiety or something else right mm. um or fear like the response to fear was anger not like questioning something um and so i think like as more as there's more research done um, on the way that hormones play into like trans identities, um, but then also like sexuality and pleasure, because there's a lot of research that still needs to be done about like how, you know, like if someone gets bottom surgery, how does that change the nerves mm -hmm. and how like someone can experience pleasure? Um, I think that's going to be a really interesting, like, addition to this conversation i don't know if it's going to give us any answers sure. but i think it, it's going to give us another perspective of like okay so this is like how our bodies work and how our hormones work what how how do we how do we grapple with that hmm. yeah i think i'm I, i'm nervous having to feel like an other again i you know like i got out of feeling like another i don't have to go back into that that doesn't sound like fun I think it's also, you know, like we, we talk on a very macro level about a lot of this. And then like, it's then also about finding like the micro spaces of where like, all right, so maybe if you were to enter a queer club in DC, you'd be received differently than you would be in your, in the community that you have carved out for yourself in new york but i don't right? even i don't even mean like if i walk in I'm, I'm not talking about like going into a bar i go into a gay bar like it's fine it's if i want to identify differently that's where i feel like the pushback would be if i like came out and be like hey everyone I just want to let you know like i'm ditching this whole like guy thing um i like to use they them pronouns also like here's my coming out photo and it was just like a standard photo of me like nothing changed looking wise that's not going to fly. And uh, I just don't want to have to like, I don't have to like not fit in again. Cause I've been not fitting in most of my life. And I don't want to like try to figure that out yeah. all over again with when, when it, by the end of the day, like pretty much is mostly just semantics. 
but I do know that whenever someone tries to put me in the in the camp of men, that never feels right. Language is so powerful. Like this is like what it comes down to, I think, is like language is how we communicate with one another. Language is how we signify to someone else in a certain way. You know, like presentation, yes, but also like as soon as you say like I'm queer or I'm straight, like the way that we introduce ourselves to someone automatically puts us into a box and it's hard when we don't have the language for certain things so we're just trying to work with the language that we have but that still doesn't fit like even just like taking pronouns of like it's it's easier i think like the reason why they them singular pronouns have taken off more than possibly like z zir those pronouns is because in a lot of cases, it's easier to change the definition of an existing word in your language than it is to introduce a completely new word it's when it has such a grounding in like who we are as people. So like selfie can be added to the dictionary. No problem because it's just become part of vernacular. It doesn't really have anything to do with people's like being. But when it comes down to like, okay, how are you going to identify how do you identify if you introduce a completely new word to someone? They're like, well, I have no basis for what this means. Like give me all of the examples and the history and the, you know, yeah. and you're just like, well, <laughs> I pulled it out of nowhere. Cause I didn't have that word before, but language is constantly changing and evolving. I don't really know where I'm going with this. It's just like language has so much to do with how we navigate the world. I'd rather not have to change my language. I'd, I just would rather society uh, strip its expectations of me, mm-hmm. um, both for the privilege stuff and the, 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 like the nev- the negative expectations of, Oh, that's a guy who looks like the guy who raped me in college. Cause like I have the, I have the face of the guy at that frat party. Like I know what I look like. And I, I really wish like all expectations period. Positive and negative were stripped. I just want to be judged based on who I am. And I know there's a lot of people in marginalized communities who want the exact same thing. And I agree. And I say the same. It's like, I don't want you to be judged based on being black or being queer or being a woman. I want you to be based on being, uh, you know, uh, you, or I want you to be based on being you or you. And, um, and so like, I, when I say that I don't want to, I don't want like these, like, man expectations on me and they're like uh privilege i'll be like no no no," because like i also feel the same for everybody else too yeah and i really don't like i don't like assumptions i don't like that i just want to be only held accountable for what i did what i said i want you to only be held accountable for what you did and what you said and etc yeah um but it's not the most popular opinions because it's a lot easier to just be like mad (laughs) okay it's it's messy and it's emotional and it's you know dealing with anything whether it's you know, the queer movement or racial justice or it's it's honoring the past and knowing what happened in the past, but also taking those lessons and moving forward. And when that comes at odds with who you currently are, it just gets messy again. Yeah. Like it all just, the world is a messy place. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to, you know, like I, I, I'm working to try to fix it on like a very, like 
but my work at the store, like on a very small level, and then like with Woodhull, we're trying to change at least something more in society because it, it, it happens on every single level. Yeah. Um. But there's no there's no easy answer to this because mm-hmm. humans aren't easy. Sure. <laughs> it's not. Is there anything about you and your identity you're still unsure of? Still trying to find like the label that fits, but then I'm like, do I even want a label? You know, I think that it's like why why can't you just be like Hansi and why can't I just be Billy? And then like yeah. if you have questions, mm-hmm. just ask them specific. To exactly, me. exactly. It's like how do you identify? I identify as Billy. Do you want to know what I put in my mouth? Just ask me like what genitals I like in my face. I love Chipotle, and I'm dating woman. Like that's <laughs> those are the things that I put in my mouth. Yeah, great, fantastic. <laughs> like why, like let, let's just do it like that. That seems easier. Um. I asked this before we got started, and uh, and we've gone, we've talked quite we've a bit, very far from where we began. <laughs> sure, but again, like I feel yeah. like we've had this exact same conversation if there was no microphones. Yeah. I agree. Um, <laughs> before we get you know going, do you have uh, do you have any questions for me? I have like a lot of questions for you. Oh my gosh, really? Um, but like, I'm just like, is this the time to ask those questions? I think is like I'm welcome to receive them. It's up to you if you would like to ask them. Why do you think you're so bad at dating? Um, I don't like, think. Why do you think you set out on this? Like, what have you learned? What did what prompted you? And like, what do you think it changes moving forward? Um, what prompted me? I'll give the condensed version of sure. just. Uh, yeah. I didn't have a girlfriend from 19 to 24. Anytime I wanted to get more serious with someone, they would always tell me they wanted. To, it was always the woman who said she wanted to keep it casual. And uh, so every time I want to get more serious, it's like, oh, I don't know, but like, let's just do this fun thing. Now, normally when you do that, things end, but they were like, no, 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 you're still coming over because you're going to come over and do that thing I like that you do with your tongue. I'm like, all right, but I wanted the lovey-dovey stuff. And they're like, just keep your emotional mouth shut. And I think that's why I have a lot of female audience that identifies with me because that's typically seen as like a quote unquote chick problem mm. is like, mm-hmm. I want something more emotional. And the guy's like, I just want a bone. And they're like, mm, okay, but I'm sad. And it's like, that was me again, 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 why I do not identify with this mm-hmm. fucking man group. Um, why do I think I'm bad at dating? I don't actually think I'm as bad at dating now as I was maybe when I was younger. I actually, I think the th- main, I think one of the biggest things that made me bad at dating was that, um, I, I allowed myself to feel irresponsibly, um, in the sense of like, um, uh, I would let my, like, I would let the initial feelings you get on a good first date, I would round that up higher than it should have. Uh, so I would let, I allow myself to think I'm in love or falling in love or something like that sooner than I actually was. That in turn kind of freaks some women out. So you're sure you're not a lesbian? No, I am a lesbian. (laughs) I have definitely male lesbian. Eddie Izzard had it right. Male lesbian. That's like the guy from the L Word in like the first season who dated Alice. Yeah, I did not watch the L Word, so I'm not the best lesbian. But if I am a lesbian, maybe I need to watch it. As problematic as it is, I I think every lesbian has watched that in her coming. Then maybe I'm gonna need to. (laughs) No, I. But like honestly, I I really do like. I apparently. Ever since I was a kid, I've had more feminine energy. So it's like, um, I'll put it this way: when, when you mm-hmm. first saw me, mm-hmm. 
there must have been at least a few assumptions in your head before we spoke. Oh, I definitely looked you up on Facebook first. And I was like, hmm. He has a podcast called the Man Whore Podcast. At least from like the promo photos that I was looking at, I was like, this seems to be like mostly women on the like as guests. I don't I don't know what that signified to me, but I was like, okay. Like, there's going to be, like, a dude who I haven't met sleeping on the couch next to me. I'm like, yeah, that was, a, by the way, a very uh, liberal, risky, but, like, I was very grateful for a decision. <laughs> when I saw that these doors in this hotel room could slide shut, I was like, okay, that'll be, like, a good fail-safe. <laughs> really? That's hardly a barrier. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like, did that made you feel safe? Your sense of safety it needs to be re-examined. <laughs> um, I also felt safe with Alex because I feel like Alex will not put up with any kind of shit. <laughs> really? Because she slept through this entire talk. <laughs> if I went in there and yelled loud, okay. <laughs> you know, but I do not expect that in this, in yeah. this I'm, situation. I'm, I, I can't, um, I can't. I think it's human nature to assume things about people based on how they look because it's, it's a, I think it's an animal instinct that we have of like, we saw a predator and therefore we're our fight or flight takes into effect. But because of human empathy, which I really think is what sets humans apart from other animals is the fact that we feel empathy um, is that we're like, okay, so yeah, this strange guy walks into ho- my hotel room, looks like the shitty dudes I went to college with, mm-hmm. but I'll talk to him. For a couple minutes, and depending on how he does in those couple minutes, <laughs> I'll make my decision, right? Um, it's not like full empathy, but it, it's it's willing to give people a little bit more of a chance than just like, I'm either going to like, as an animal, like kill you or run away, right? Um, another question I get, like, this is now coming to my head is like, you were waiting for me to use the pronoun she when I was referring to my partner when we first met. Uh, what about which, me? To- which which one? Last night. So last no, 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 but which which partner are we talking about? The, my your current, current girlfriend, partner, my current partner. Yeah. So like we. Oh yeah, just yeah. because that yeah you gave enough. I don't remember what the clues were, but like you <laughs> gave. I just remember being like, I'm gonna wait for a she because like I just I know, <laughs> and I'm allowed to. Because I was wearing that. my pajamas, and pajamas are like oh, it didn't have perhaps to do with- the most gender neutral. <laughs> Yeah, it's no, like no. Sexuality neutral. You look, look very that. asexual right now. Uh, no, it had nothing to do with what you look like. It had to do with uh, just the things you were saying. Oh, okay. Um, cool. Whatever. And however, totally she- guessed one of my girlfriend's outfits, and I was like, "What the fuck? You've never, never even until right now. You still also have not seen a picture of her." No, and I I'm still like, haven't. Yeah. I do know now she's thinner than you. Yes. But that's only through this conversation. Yes. We just had. Yeah. And um, I added you on Facebook, and the fact that you didn't look on Facebook. I haven't looked. Yeah. I haven't looked. That's uh, why I asked you what your background was in yesterday, because I was like, "Is he a sociologist or like an, an anthropologist?" Like, it's very similar to like no, what just an science. asshole. Yeah. That's my background. <laughs> Being an asshole on a microphone is my background yeah. for the last and decade. and just because someone has a background in something doesn't mean that they actually <laughs> use it or it can't be just something that you've learned through life. Is there anything about me that confuses you? That confuses me. I think. It, maybe it's not so much like a confusion standpoint as more of it is that I'm just like continually surprised by because I think it's something that like a lot of the people I come in contact with are not this way is that you are incredibly self-aware. Like Alex and I mentioned that to you earlier. Like you will make the comment before we do or like 
or before we think it and then we're like oh yeah that is like probably something i would have thought that's the bullied kids defense mechanism mm -hmm. and 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 um you know the meme that's going around that's like some of you haven't this and it's it's apparent like i think when you hear people talk in the way that you do it's like oh there is something that made someone like we put ourselves down first before someone else is able to put us down um but i'm also not going to assume that you have trauma to share and i'm not going to ask you to share that trauma right like you've you've openly shared that with me in this exchange but it's not something that I was like, so tell me about being bullied. Like, how was that for you? Right? Like, why are you so like, are you in therapy? You know, like, like, have you talked yourself into therapy kind of thing? Like, um, maybe and I guess that's like a personal question. Maybe I will come out and ask that question is like, has this podcast replaced a therapy that you needed or wanted or wanted to seek out? And like, you became your own therapist by actually talking about these things. I think that's given me way too much credit. Uh, I, th- I I am in therapy now uh, as of June. Um, I don't ever think this replaced therapy. I think this replaced a need for attention. Um, I th- okay, actually, I will say something like um, that surprised me about you. Last night when I asked you how the podcast has affected your dating life, um, I was surprised that your answer was more positive than negative and and you split dating life and sex life but i think like i'm all set um offering whiskey um (laughs) i think what i was expecting to hear because i know how i would react if i was like you know if if you and i met completely outside of this and at a bar right and you were like oh hey like can I get your number type thing? Really? You're giving me too much credit. Like I would approach any woman at a bar. I am way too <laughs> if chicken people shit. people actually still knew how, knew how to flirt. Um, <laughs> but you know, like if, if you approach me and then it comes out that you have a podcast about your relationships and very, and a, a very honest podcast. I, I was ex- like, I would say no. I would say no to having sex with you. I would say no to dating you. And so when you said like, but I, but then I, I wasn't thinking about it from the the aspect of like, you are open and honest about these things. So when people approach you, they already kind of know what they're getting. Right. Or they, they at least, they at least have some idea of who you are and who they're approaching. Um, They're aware, even if they don't, listen to the show up top because sometimes women will be like i'll get to a date and they'll be like so i listen to your podcast i'm like oh gosh what do i have to explain like what do i have to like apologize for <laughs> like did you listen to the thing about the orgy or did you what <laughs> that's so interesting and then then you followed that up last night with saying like it's affected your breakup life more so than maybe like sure. current dating life um, I mean, my, my breakup with like- Paige got affected uh, my break, the breakup with her was insane because of the podcast, because she, for at least a period of time, was still listening. And so, if I mentioned it because I was sad, or I mentioned it because it's two years of my life, I can't, I'm not going to like erase it. Yeah. yeah. But it's there. And so, it would be a thing that would irk her. She knew who she was dating. And I wasn't going to like hide a thing I was feeling legitimate pain about because that's the longest, most important relationship in my life. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, I watched Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind for like the third time the other night. And it like made me think about breakups and how we deal with breakups and like, what is it to know how the other person is processing and how does that affect your own processing of the relationship ending? And like, that's a lot of like, that's like a whole nother, a whole nother thing to get into. But I think like for someone like you who lives a very public open life like this, like this is like an open diary pretty much to your life. And, and you shared that with people and welcome them to listen to it it's super vulnerable it's so vulnerable and like that's perhaps like more intimate than physical sex it's the thing that bugs me the most about my critics not that they're my critics it's that they don't fail publicly and i am willing to fuck up publicly granted there's a good chunk of times when like i i fuck up publicly that i don't realize i'm fucking up but like I don't go back and like delete the thing. I don't really like I don't go delete my old tweets. Like I delete tweets that I don't think the next day were funny, or maybe they got zero likes, zero comments, zero retweets, and maybe like, okay, after like several hundred impressions, if you have a zero zero zero, maybe it's just not good. Um, but like I don't go search like if I am so fortunate enough that I get a show, um, I really would rather not scrub like my Twitter because I would rather show growth. Than, sh- than pretend to show perfection because perfection's not real, doesn't exist. There are no heroes. After Reed Mahako fell, it was like, okay, there are no heroes. And I'd rather be an example of change and growth than try to hide my past imperfections. Um, for what 2015 was for me, which is when that whole like incident was, that is at this point, it's now an embarrassing part of my history. I can't hide it. I can't delete it because even if the tweets are gone, screenshots live forever. Mm-hmm. And I no longer shy away from it. I go like, that's a part of my life I was, uh, I'm embarrassed by. And here's how I've grown from it. And have I been perfect since then? Fuck no. But I'm always trying to be better. Mm-hmm. And that's really all humans can be because we're imperfect. Yeah. Um, speaking as Hansi and not as, as Woodhull, like most yeah, sure, of this sure, conversation sure. has been me speaking as myself um <laughs> no one no one in this world is perfect like like you said there are no heroes but also like we are all we have all fucked up it's a messy messy world we live in it and, and like, like all goes back to like like beyond queer theory of like down from like personal relationships to the sex ed world and to like the sexual freedom movement and any of this it's just it's messy but that's because we're human yeah yeah we are human um and say i want to say thank you for coming yeah. on where can people find you or the wood uh woodhall yeah, organization definitely. yeah back to where we started um so <laughs> woodhall is still in this lawsuit um we are <laughs> we are a small nonprofit. um you got do y'all give out grants or you get grants it, I forget. we we get grants um well, we're in the process of trying to um we really rely on the individual donors that's where the biggest amount of our our um our budget comes from but each year we host the sexual freedom summit so that's coming up but um if you wanted to follow woodhull we are woodhull sfa on twitter and on facebook um and then on instagram as well 
woodhullfoundation.org um, for our general um, foundation work and then sexualfreedomsummit.org as our summit-specific um, website. And please reach out to me if you have any questions at all. Um, and then going to plug Lotus Blooms as well because if you are in the DMV area and you're looking for a great health and education-based sex shops, um, we are... Um, at Lotus Bloom, Lotus underscore Blooms on Twitter, Lotus dot Blooms on Instagram. Um, we also hold workshops. And then if you want to find me, I'm Hansies, H-A-N-C-I-E-S underscore Fancies, F-A-N-C-I-E-S <laughs> um, on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> uh, thank you so much. And why don't you go ahead and say goodbye to everybody. Bye, everybody. <laughs> Shoot me an email. Shoot me an email saying, Billy, I don't feel sorry for you. Or, you know, shoot me an email with some compliments. Or, hey, send me your titties. Some of y'all have been doing that recently again, and I'm a, I'm a fan. Um, shoot me an email at manwhorepod at gmail.com with any of your thoughts or questions. But I would love to know what you thought about this week's show. You can hit me up on Twitter at TheBillyProceda, or you can leave a comment on the Manwhore Podcast Facebook page. I would love, love, love to meet you, maybe you and your partner, maybe you and your friends, at ManhorCon in New York City this August. Yeah. Go get your weekend pass today and start making travel plans tomorrow. Get your weekend pass right now at manhorpod.com slash weekend. You want to connect with some of those people you're going to meet at ManhorCon? Well, you know, I suggest you become a member of our FanHor community on Patreon because a decent percentage of the people who attend ManhorCon are patrons themselves. So, hey, you know, throw down a couple bucks. Am I worth a cup of coffee? I think so. Go to patreon.com slash podcast, become a member today, or hey, just enjoy that free bonus up with Nina Hartley. Again, that's patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash podcast. I want to say congratulations to Koa who won our Mombay Blankets giveaway. Yeah, he got a nice comfy one. Uh, I, I don't know if his girl squirts or not. Maybe his dog's got a piss problem. Look, the Mombay Blanket is very multi-purposeful. I know you didn't win one, but if you do want to get a awesome waterproof blanket that's great for the outdoors, for pets, or for women who gush like whatever gushes in, in nature, a geyser, Yellowstone, I don't know. <laughs> Head on over to mombayblankets.com and you can get 15% off with promo code MANHOR. Again, that's mombayblankets, M-A-M-B-E, blankets.com, promo code MANHOR. Next week, we've got on, uh, oh, I don't even know if you're allowed to say crossover performer anymore, but we've got on adult entertainer. Lance Hart, you know what I mean. Stay slutty. Bye.